Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, this great feast of the baptism of the Lord. It's as good a time as any to reflect on the significance of the most primordial sacrament of the church, by which I mean the sacrament of baptism. Chances are pretty much everybody listening to me right now has been baptized. So it's a sacrament of enormous importance. It links all of us together. One of the earliest descriptions of baptism in our great tradition is Vitae Spiritualis Janua, which is Latin for the door of the spiritual life. Baptism is the way in, the foundation, the condition for the possibility of an authentically spiritual life. Without baptism, we don't get in. Now, to grasp the full meaning of this is to understand something really decisive about Christianity. Christianity is not primarily about becoming a good person or doing the right thing, or in Flannery O'Connor's phrase, having a heart of gold. Because see, let's face it, anybody, pagan, Muslim, Jew, non-believer, could be any of those things. And mind you, I'm not bad-mouthing it. I hope that you're a nice person. I hope you have a heart of gold. I hope you do the right thing. But see, none of that is distinctive to Christianity. To be a Christian is to be grafted onto Christ, and hence to be drawn into the very dynamics of the inner life of God. And let me just say that again, because I think it's so important. To be a Christian is to be grafted onto Christ, and hence drawn into the very dynamics of the inner life of God. Doing good things, being ethically upright, great, great. It'll flow from what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about now is the more fundamental truth. See, as Christians, we don't speak simply of following Jesus or imitating Jesus, as important as those are. Rather, we speak of becoming a member of his mystical body and therefore sharing in his own relationship to the Father. See, that's decisive. Jesus is the Son of God by nature. We become by baptism, sons and daughters of God, by adoption. That's another way to state the same point. And you see now why it's so important to say that we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is tied to the Trinity. Why? Because baptism draws us into the relationship between the Father and the Son. We become sons and daughters in the Son, and that means, listen now, that we are in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the relationship between the Father and the Son. Baptism, in a word, is all about grace. 
It's about the breakthrough of the divine life. It's about our incorporation through the power of God's love into God's own life. You see how much more interesting, strange, intriguing that is than being a nice person. As important as that is, I want you all to be nice persons. But see how much stranger, more dramatic, more exciting, more puzzling and strange this claim is. That through God's grace, we've been grafted onto Christ, and therefore we share in the very life of God. Think for a second now, whenever you pray as a Catholic and you bless yourself in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what you're doing is you're signaling your own baptismal identity in a certain way. Because you're praying not so much outside of God, you're praying in God. See, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, meaning as a participant in the Son, you are sharing in the Holy Spirit. That's Christian prayer. Listen here to the great uh, theologian Gregory of Nazianzen, one of the Cappadocian church fathers from the 4th century. Listen to him. Baptism is God's most beautiful and magnificent gift. It's called the gift because it's conferred on those who bring nothing of their own. It's called grace since it's given even to the guilty. It's terrific, isn't it? He's making the point now that, much more beautifully, that I've been trying to make. Baptism is God's most magnificent gift. Gift because it's conferred on those who bring nothing of their own. See, the minute we start playing this game, If I do these good things, then I'll get the love of God. If I'm a good boy or girl, then God will reward me. See, I'm just in a bad spiritual space. Baptism is a gift conferred on those who bring nothing of their own. It's grace. And then, beautiful, isn't it? Grace, since it's given even to the guilty. It's not a question of, oh, I've made myself um, innocent, therefore I'm worthy of God's love. No, no, the contrary. It's given to the guilty. God makes his sun to shine on the good and bad alike. That's why baptism is this primordial grace. What did Jesus himself say? It's not you who've chosen me, but I who have chosen you. You know, friends, I know I've said it before, but to get that right is to get everything right. It's called the principle of the primacy of grace. Gratia prima, grace first. Baptism is the sacramental ratification, the sacramental sign of that choice. And by choice here, I mean Christ's choice of you, not your choice of him. Now, once we get this clear, we can see why baptism, and I'll use uh, theological language here, justifies us. Why it washes away our sin. See, all of us are born into a deeply dysfunctional world. A world conditioned by millennia and eons of selfishness, cruelty, injustice, stupidity, and fear. What this has done is it's created a poisonous atmosphere which conditions all of our thoughts and moves and actions. See, we're getting close now to what the church means by original sin. 
See, we don't choose this dysfunction. We are born into it. We breathe it in from the beginning. It's in our blood, even, our nerves and our bones. Here's a comparison that's been used in recent years, which I think is actually quite good. Think of a, a baby who's born to a mother who's addicted to uh, cocaine, a cracked baby, you know, they'll, they'll speak of. The baby is born with his mother's addiction through the baby's fault. Well, of course not. But from the beginning, the baby has taken in the addiction of the mother. We don't blame the child, but at the same time, we'd be foolish to deny that he has the addiction, indeed, from the beginning. Or think of a child born into a deeply dysfunctional family. Let's say a, a family characterized by alcoholism or sexual abuse or physical abuse. From the first moments of his life, that child is conditioned by a warped world. That's all he knows. He knows this way of being in the world. And you see how nothing or nobody from within that family could possibly save him. Why? Well, because they're the problem, not the solution. They're as conditioned by it as he is. Only an influence coming radically from the outside could extricate that child from his suffering. Just as only an intervention, let's say a medical intervention from the outside, could save the crack baby from his addiction. See, in light of these comparisons, do you see why the stress on grace is so important? Baptism is the moment, sacramentally speaking, when the Holy Spirit draws us out of this fallen world into a new world. What I mean here is into the very life of the Trinity. Because we deserve it? No. <laughs> because we merit it? No. It's God's grace. That's why we say baptism involves, and I'll use the language from John's Gospel, being born again. Nicodemus, unless you are born again or born from above, you have no life in you. Baptism lifts us up, enlightens us, transforms us, saves us. Now see how important that language is, save, saves. We might talk about someone being saved from a dysfunctional family, saved from an addiction. It's not a question of something that we've accomplished. Do you see now why the church speaks of the baptized person as a new creature? See, something new has happened here. And now with all this in mind, we can understand much better, I think, the relationship between baptism and the other sacraments. Baptism is birth in the spiritual order. That's what I've been talking about, becoming a new creature. It's the beginning of a properly spiritual life. The other sacraments represent, if you want, modifications or specifications of that life. So a living thing needs to eat, right? It needs nourishment. There's the role that Eucharist plays. You see now why only baptized people in the church can receive the Eucharist. If there's not a lot, you're not alive spiritually, what's the point of feeding you? Baptism, we say more legally, gives you the right to participate in the Eucharist. Well, that's why. What does penance do? 
but it restores a spiritual life that's been lost through serious sin. We can do certain things that are so repugnant to the divine life that they effectively kill it off. And, you know, all of us are sinners. We know about this. Things that are mortally sinful. See, they, they kill off the spiritual life in us. What's penance? But the sacrament, again, it's grace that restores the lost life. What does confirmation do? But it confirms and strengthens the life that was given at baptism. What are marriage and holy orders? Well, they're the sacraments of mission and vocation. See, properly human life is not just biological, right? Not just a matter of organic survival. Real life involves the directing of one's energies toward a purpose. Same is true in the spiritual order. It's not enough just to have the divine life. I get that through baptism. But that life wants to find a direction and purpose. Thus, marriage, holy orders, focus baptismal life. Let me conclude with just a little glance at the gospel for today. Jesus is baptized by John, and then we hear, A voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Baptized, you've been grafted onto that son. You become a son or daughter in that son. And therefore, every baptized person, think of that now, all you listening to me who are baptized, should hear that same voice saying the same thing. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. There's the deepest truth of baptism. And may God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.